now to God's Word. The scripture this morning is from Genesis 1, the first two verses, and then we'll jump to verse 24 and read through the end of the chapter. This is first page, page one, the very beginning of the book, really the beginning of everything. Listen to the word of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form and void, and darkness was over the face of the dirt deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then we'll, then there are five days where he creates everything else, and we are going to skip ahead to the sixth day. And on the sixth day, and God said, let, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given, given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Let's pray. Lord, we, we read your word, but help us to hear it. Hear it in our hearts and in our lives. And as we consider your word this morning, guide my words, guide all of our hearts as we stand before you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to make a commitment to you right up front as I begin my time, my season in this pulpit, that every message that you will hear from me will have the gospel at its heart. I've got to tell you, in the last couple of weeks that I've been around, I've been so encouraged 
even more so as I've begun these interviews about who New, New Hope Church is. And the first thing that everyone has said about New Hope is that the gospel has been at the heart of every message and, and everything that we do. And you haven't gotten sidetracked by anything else. It's a gospel-focused church. Everyone says it. And I'm honored to have been brought into a church with that kind of gospel focus and, and particularly its leadership. And, and all I want to do is contribute to that and, and to revel in the gospel together with you. Every message will have in it the gospel, even, even if it has some particular focus or information similar to last week where I introduced myself and talked about the plan for this season of transition, we are going to look at everything through the lens of the gospel, both in this pulpit and ideally in everything that we do as a church together. Our, our intention will always be that everything will knowingly and consciously reflect and in itself proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I pray also that this gospel focus will be reflected in each one of our personal lives, in that the way that we see everything in the world around us, and, and that we ourselves would live in the reflection of the gospel working in our lives. So all that's really nice to say, but it, it begs the, the first question. Okay, so what is the gospel? What is this gospel? And, and ultimately, we're going to be answering that every week and in some way all the time. But we'll take the next three weeks to spend a little more time to simply outline the gospel. It, it, the gospel, the term gospel has many different other terms for it. Uh, kerygma is a common theological term. It, it's just simply the, the Greek word for proclamation. It was the proclamation of the early church. This was their message. Message is another term it often gets called. The new covenant the New, the New Testament is another identifier. The term gospel itself is very simply translates in modern English as good news. You've heard all this, many, most of you. And, but I like this one, though. The message of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. The very earliest church, before they were even called Christians, identified themselves as the way. And it's not merely about a way of life. It's about a journey, the journey that they're on, that we're all on. Because ultimately, the gospel is a story. It's a story that we were all a part of. It's a story that makes sense of everything. It's a three-part story. Three parts and we'll spend a, a week highlighting each part and reflecting on its effect on, on our world and each one of us and the way that we see everything. This is a, a, a three-act story, and we can see everything in the world through it. The three parts are creation, God's design 
of the heavens and the earth, of, of everything. We'll focus on creation for a few minutes this morning, and next week we'll focus on the fall, the brokenness and of sin and death, and, and, and what went wrong. And then finally, in two weeks, and really for the rest of the time after that, we're going to focus on redemption, on the way back to what is supposed to be through salvation in Jesus Christ. So first, creation. In the beginning. See, it's a story. It's a story because it has a beginning and it has an end. And this message is going to take us all the way to the end, the end that hasn't even happened yet. And so in the beginning, God created everything. Now, I'm not going to dwell on this, but it's important to note who the main character in the story is. Who's the subject of the sentence? It's God. We're in the story right away. We're part of the heavens and the earth. And we, we skip down to us in particular in the passage this morning. But we mustn't ever forget who the main character is in this story throughout the rest of the book and the rest of the story. This is about God. He's the creator, and everything comes from him. The one thing I want to catch of the character of God that is inherent in what is happening even in just just this first chapter, in just this beginning introduction to the story, is we see his glory. We see his glory. And that that glory is going to be reflected on much more throughout the rest of Scripture. But in, in God creating everything, we see his glory. He made everything. He, in all of its intricacies, you know, and science is beautiful here, you can see that atoms and the building blocks of the universe in all of its intricacy of, of biology and life being formed in all of its intricacy and in all of its enormity. The stars and the galaxies and the heavens. What we can see and even what we can't see, how remarkable he is. What glory. And this is just our introduction to who God is. God created the heavens and the earth. All creation. So let's talk about us now. The creation. And us in particular as human beings. All creation is made in relation to God. Even the very term creation is a reference to a relationship. And this passage has two specific notes about this relationship. One thing is about the entirety of creation, and another note is about specifically about human beings, about us. God looks at his creation, the whole of it, and calls it good and very good. And secondly, he says of humanity, 
that we are made in his image. In the image of God, we are created. I want to tell you a little bit about my own personal story here, the story of my coming to faith. As I mentioned last week, I grew up in a safe and loving home, but not one of faith. I never heard anything about God, anything about Jesus. I had no idea of anything about any of that stuff. My family never, ever would talk about religion. We just wouldn't discuss it at all. So it was out of nowhere. One day I'm walking around in sixth grade, and a question pops into my head. Very simple question. Why? Why are we here? I I didn't mean how are we here, like the the question that science is so good at, at working on. I meant why? What is the meaning and purpose of life? And I remember thinking of the intricacy of a cricket, this, this life, this unbelievable life. It's alive. And the thing is, you could step on it without a thought, and it's no longer life. It's, it's life is just gone. And, and realizing that we're not that much different. In the scheme of things, we're just not here that long. And in time, we'll all die and be forgotten in this world. So why? Why are we here? And, and I, I spent a couple of weeks walking around sixth grade at Lincoln Junior High School um, in a daze, just consumed with this question. And I remember at the end of that couple of weeks, I had a sleepover at Alan Barron's house on Balboa Island. And I, I remember s- sleeping in his attic room and pouring my heart out to him that this question was consuming me. And I can absolutely see his face looking back at me like I was some sort of alien. What in the world was I thinking about? What was I so worried about? And I, and I realized that I kind of had to put this question in my pocket because nobody really was talking about it. And so I was just going to have to, to listen and search for an answer. And I, and I knew I knew I had two assumptions that this answer would have to have to have in it meaning because I assumed there's got to be meaning to this life. And I also assumed that whatever that answer would that would it would have to deal with suffering and the reality of mortality of of death and the shortness of life. And A couple of years later, in eighth grade, I I heard the gospel and I knew this is the answer. And the answer begins right in this passage. We are created by God and called good. We're here because God made us. And we have meaning because the one who made everything called us good. Have you ever seen somebody who, who has been maybe depressed, utterly alone, isolated? Have you seen them in that moment when the love of somebody hits them? When they get just how much somebody cares for them? Maybe you've heard that in your own heart. 
You've experienced that. And you feel really loved. Can you hear it in your own heart? The God of the universe, the God who made you, call you good. There's so much in this world that longs for meaning, for purpose, for identity. This is the answer. It's right here in this passage. God made us, and he called us good. And we humans, even even more than that, we're in his image. We reflect the glory of our creator. Glory means at its core meaning and, and, and supreme significance. And we receive our glory in our relationship with God. We, we reflect his glory. We're, it's like we're a mirror. And, and we can't create our own light, our own significance. But our glory is our reflection of his as we look upon him and see his love for us. This passage is God assigning meaning and value to all of his creation and to each one of us. It's his first act of love, and it is all the love and meaning and everything we would ever need for this life. Tim Keller wrote this about this passage. He wrote, it doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter how low you've gone. Every human being made in the image of God reflects God. Therefore, there is a rock-solid, objective, irreducible glory and significance and value and worth about you and every human being there is. Every one of us. Now, I could write infinite dissertations about the meaning of being made in the image of God. There is so much that we could dwell on about the implications of this creation story. Implications for the way that we live and see and use and care for the rest of God's creation, the creation that he calls good. There are implications for self-worth and, and proper self-image and the, and the real nature of humility and pride. There are implications. Well, this story is the grounds for, for ethics and justice and civil rights and human rights. This story, we can go on forever about how significant this little section of Scripture is for the way that we see everything in the world, including ourselves. And so we are going to keep coming back to this. We will. But ultimately, what we have here is a picture of the way things are supposed to be. This is the way things are supposed to be, that we stand as the valued and loved creation of God reflecting his glory and that's enough in the next chapter Adam and Eve are living in the garden of Eden and walking around in that in that perfect harmony with each other and with the one who made them no brokenness no shame 
no loneliness, only love. We'll look deeper at that at when shame comes and, and brokenness that comes in chapter 3 next week. And when we see Adam and Eve look elsewhere than God for their meaning, for the way that things are supposed to be. That's, that's part two of the story. But even then, the image of God in us, it doesn't disappear. It, it becomes distorted as our relationship with God is broken. Everything gets touched by our sin. But life still has immeasurable value. Part three of the story is redemption. And we can see the words of Jesus We can see the words of this passage, I'm sorry, the words of this passage of creation come back into the story of redemption and how Jesus is sometimes described in the New Testament. He is called the image of the invisible God. He is the full image of God, humanity, that has been distorted in the rest of us. It's whole in Jesus. And through him, our relationship with God is restored as he bears the full image of God to us in a way that we can see because when we see Jesus, we see God. And we begin again when we look at Jesus to reflect his glory. And though we may only now see God through a glass dimly, we once again will see him face to face. And things will be what they were always meant to be. We'll get to the end of the story in a couple of weeks, but in many ways the story ends where it begins. We stand before the one who made us, knowing the fullness of his love and our value in him and dwelling in the reflection of his glory this is the way things were always meant to be god's design so i i I started asking this question in sixth grade and i've been answering it ever since and that answering it has been so much more than just an answer to a question it has provided me with everything and and I don't, I mean much more than an occupation and a career that places me right here. I mean, it has provided me with an identity as God's beloved child, it, whose life has meaning and, and knows that everyone else's life has more meaning than any of us could ever know as does all of creation. And despite all the suffering and brokenness of this world, We can have faith and a certain hope. Not because that we're the center of the story or that things depend upon us, but because the God who is the center of the story looks at us and looks at everything and calls us good. There's nothing better in life than to look upon God and to see His glory and his love and and in doing that reflect it back to the rest of the world 
the good news is very simply this. God has a beautiful design that gives meaning to the world and glory to his people. We've looked elsewhere for meaning. We, we call that sin. And things have broken as our relationship with God has been fractured. But God has provided a means of restoration, of redemption to our relationship with him through his son, Jesus. And it all begins in this passage where God makes us in his image and calls his creation good. Let's pray. Lord, um, it's such a simple story and it seems so rote to just go over it again. But... uh, it's that story that um, a child could wade swiftly, safely into or an elephant can drown in like an ocean. It is both safe for all of us and it's the depths of everything. God, help us to see who we are in this story and to know that there's meaning and life there and to see even more so who you are. For it's upon seeing you that we see your glory, we see your love, especially through your Son, Jesus Christ. God, give us the eyes to see every day and every moment you. God, we thank you for your word. May it it dwell in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.